Welcome to Devil in the Detail, so for Red Devils, independent fan podcast with me, Rob Patterson. Join me on the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul White's there, right Paul? Hey Rob, you alright mate? Yeah, good week? Yeah, not too bad mate, nice and nice and chill, really, with no, uh, no sulphur game to worry about, it's been nice and quiet, I take the Wigan game on uh, Saturday night after work, going to sit down and watch that, nice and chilled, and then... Walked down the stairs, I was putting my kids to bed and the BBC News blurted the final score out to me, so uh, completely ruined my evening. I was furious. Yeah. uh, (laughs) It's probably not been as stressful as your week, Rob, anyway. I managed to swallow 10p, so I spent uh, a good half a day in Wivenshaw Hospital waiting for him uh, to to, to out, basically. I know um, he's only been a soul fan for kind of five years, but he's obviously not learned when to pass and when not to pass, and when he does pass, he's not looking where he's passing, unfortunately, so I'm having to look through all the, uh, you know, his stools and stuff to sign this, uh, this 10p that it's well, it's been there long enough, Paul, it's, it could be a quid by the time it comes out. It could be, yeah, could very well be. <laughs> Just like I say, quite traumatic, but he's, he's alright now, he's, he's back in school and all is well. Uh, so also during the show this week, we've got Ryan Wilson, right Ryan? I'm alright Rob, how are you mate? Yeah, good, you have a good week? Yeah, mate, I've uh, I've not been on the show for a few weeks. I've uh, started a new job. It's the office job equivalent of being in the Marines. So, you know, it's good to be back on the show tonight. Good, good. What have we got on the show this week, Paul? Uh, we've got the news. We've got the amateur reports. We've got a preview of Friday night fixture against Castleford at the AJ Bell Stadium. And we've also inducted Malcolm Alker into our uh, 200 club. Cool, so what we'll do, we'll uh, start with the news. So, first bit of news we've got, uh, we signed a new player, uh, Sean Kenny from Warrington, um, an exciting young talent, Paul. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's come uh, very highly rated by Carl Fitzpatrick, who, you remember, worked at Salford. He's now, um, like, he's player welfare for, for Warrington, and he spoke really highly of him. And uh, I was just thinking about it the other day, you know, just because he's not going to Warrington's side, it doesn't mean really to say he's, he's a poor player. I think they're very... Very well covered in the hooking department at Warrington, and uh, you know, obviously, he's coming to Salford to, to, to blossom here, so I think it's a good sign. He sounds a good lad, so uh, good luck to him. Yeah, it's come through the, the Warrington system. Um, he's won plot, it's in, in the Warrington under 19s. Uh, the coach at Lee Braze uh, says he's a shining light, Ryan. Uh, you know, we're missing a hooker uh, with Tommy Lee being injured. He might come in and, and make the difference. Yeah, I think it's an astute acquisition for me and Watson and Tim Sheens. Uh, I was watching the YouTube highlights from 2014. Looks a really good player, solid in defence. Uh, his runs from dummy half are really impressive from what I saw. So, you know, hopefully he'll be, uh, he'll be in an ideal replacement for Tommy Lee if he decides to go at the end of the year. And, uh, yeah, I'm very, really excited to see how he plays on Friday night. Yeah, I suppose it gives uh, you know, other young players in other clubs, Paul, uh, you know the view that if they come to Salford, they'll they'll get a game and there's, and there's a pathway to the first team. Yeah, that's right. I mean, some players are, are later developers, aren't we? We spoke about that the other week. They don't always. Not every single player is is ready for the first team at 17, 18, 19 year old. It sometimes takes them a bit longer, and certain players have to move on, you know, to get that chance. I mean, if you look over the last sort of twenty five, even thirty years, players we've had from sort of Wigan, St. Helens, that have come over to Salford, and you know, Steve Blake is a prime example. Isn't he? I think he played about two games for Wigan's first team, kept with Salford, and you know, he's he's there for sort of ten ten years, wasn't he, in the first team? So, uh, so yeah, the, the young young Sean Kenny's got a great opportunity now, and I can't wait to see him in action on Friday, from what I've heard, and. He sounds a very exciting player, and 
just hope he grasps it with both hands on Friday because you know something we need. We've had Logan Tompkins playing there, haven't we? And sort of Phil Joseph coming off the bench, and it's not really worked, has it? That I suppose. So, uh, so if Sean Kenny's, uh, you know, he has them zip, zippy runs from uh, from dummy half, that'll that'll be uh, be all good for us. Yeah. Uh, other bit of news: um, the appeal, uh, set a date for the appeal. Uh, Ryan, is it fourth of July? Um, it'll be good uh, to get to the end of it and hopefully get our points back. Yeah, and obviously it's nice how it's going to a, a real independent uh, tribunal this time. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think we might get some points back, who knows? Um, we need them. If we were going to make the top eight, uh, I think without that, uh, not looking very good. But, you know, let's just hope for the best and expect the worst. Yeah, I think it's obviously uh, defending himself. Paul is going into the, the tribunal and, and putting his point across. Uh, we listened to him in his press conference where he put his side of the story over. Um, do, you, do you think it'll be a similar kind of a, you know attack uh, in that one? I think he'll be a bit more reserved. Uh, well, I don't think my man knows how to be reserved, does it? I don't. I don't know. To I think really he's got to go in there and tell the truth, hasn't he? And put put forward this, this evidence. And from what we've spoke about before, it doesn't really. It sounds very harsh, doesn't it? The way they've treated us. And if this independent tribunal, they're nothing to do with the RFL. I mean, if they're going to look at that and look at the evidence as we're looking at it, I mean, I think there's only one way they can go, isn't there? But, you know, this is this is rugby league, isn't it? It's Salford and things like that don't always go plain sailing for us, do they? But I'm just hoping we do get some points back. As Ryan said there, I mean, if we don't, it's going to be hard for us, for us to make the top eight. Do you think, uh, obviously, with, with the gap between sort of eight and ninth, uh, Ryan, and, you know, if we get our points back, it, we get bang into the into the mix again. Do you think the RFL might put that in consideration? You know, to obviously get the season, keep the season going in the last couple of weeks. No, not for a second. No? <laughs> um, I don't think the RFL will give us the points back just because they've took it, uh, taken it to a uh, to a next level um, to say so. But I, I don't know, mate. I, I really don't know what the RFL are going to do. Um, they're just so inconsistent; it's unbelievable. As I said in previous podcasts, but. You know, fingers crossed we do get some points, but I think it's complete injustice how we've been given this reduction. I, I just don't agree with it at all. Can, like, was it 2014, the uh, the breaches? Yeah. Like, the, yeah, was, yeah. The, 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 the two points off was in 2016 with virtually a different squad, completely different coaching um, coaching setup. It's just, oh, it's just disgraceful. Like, no, I, I don't think anyone in the sport really wanted to, to see that happen and it just it's not like when after it happened as well it it just put a big negative thing around the club and hopefully this is the last points deduction we get yeah i'm saying if we do get our points back paul it kind of sends a message out to you know to to the rfl and and to other clubs that you know if if you do get uh, punished you know you can challenge it and you can reverse it yeah that's right that's right and if we were i was looking at the table he said hey, if we were to get the points back you know you, there's a chance of sort of finishing fifth if we had them them six points on us now you, you're right behind st Helens, aren't you and i think this weekend's a pivotal weekend as well i think we need to beat castleford this weekend you know we're on a, we're on a bit of a losing streak now losing the last three games and we've had two very disappointing performances against leeds and huddersfield so i think we need to, to get back into winning ways because castleford are one of the sides who are just above us aren't they so if we are to make the, the top eight it could be them or Widness that we're going to replace. And I know Widness have got Leeds on uh, on Sunday at Leeds, so that's going to be a tough game for them. So this, if we can get the result on Friday night and get those two points, we're only four behind Widness and the pressure goes back to Widness then on Sunday to open that six-point gap again. So uh, it's vital we get the result on, on Friday this week, I think. Yeah, and Marwan Kukash is a guest on the Rugby League Extra uh, programme tomorrow. 
uh, Ryan. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll have a few things to say on, on this. <laughs> no doubt, he's uh, he's never short for words, is he, Kukash? Um, but hopefully, just acts professionally. Um, you know, uh, you know, fair fair play to him. He's he's fought his ground on this one. Uh, it'd be interesting if we get the points back. It, it will make for an exciting finish to the season. Let's just let's just hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, next bit of news: uh, free travel to the Warrington game, uh, which is our next away game. If you buy a ticket from the from the club, uh, that's a great thing. I think the the club have uh, you know put out there, Paul. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I'll be going to that game um, on the Thursday. I think I'll be driving because I'm working late on. But um, but yeah, if you live in the area and you're not far from the stadium, that, that's that's brilliant, isn't it? And you know, that promises to be a really good game against Warrington. And I, I always like going there to uh, the Hallowell Jones Stadium. It's always a, a good atmosphere, and they're a good sort of local rival, really, Warrington now, aren't they? And that's a good initiative from the club. That I mean, we want to take a few coaches down as many as we can, really, don't we, to get behind the lads. It's a Thursday night as well, so. I suppose it's a night that people may may struggle to get to the game on sort of public transport and stuff like that. You know, a bit of an obscure night. So to put free free travel on for them, I, I think that's really good. Yeah, I think it's great news. Obviously, the club it's all about promoting it now, Ryan, and, and getting as many Reds over to Warrington as possible. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, Warrington is for me like one of the best away days. It's a great stadium. I, I was there uh, for the Challenge Cup match. Um, I was in a box there, and it was it was quality. The atmosphere is great, and you know, it'll be on telly as well. And, you know, last time we played and we all know what happened there. So hopefully we can, you know, get a get a bit of a revenge for last time against the Wolves. Yeah, a little bit more uh, news. Paul Eiton starts his ride to Rio in the next couple of days. Uh, Paulie, uh, Alex was on last week uh, from Rugby AM telling us all about, uh, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. He's telling us some scare stories, wasn't he, last week? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's a good thing. And I suppose, uh, you know, it's really good that he's, he's managed, you know, he's going to do that. He's going to do it for charity and... Uh, you know, we're all wishing him well, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we saw him, didn't we? With, was it the Huddersfield game a few yeah. weeks ago? And he, he was looking a bit nervous then, wasn't he? But then when what Alex told us last week, he better take his uh, never mind taking his helmet. He better take his tin hat with him <laughs> um, on his way on his way to Rio. But yeah, all the best to Paul, and uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure he'll do us all proud. Yeah. Uh, next bit of news we've got uh, the South Red Devils Foundation uh, have sort of put out the report of what they've been doing over the over the last twelve months. Uh, and it's quite an impressive read, isn't it, Paul? They've been uh, going. We've got to 27 high schools, 127 primary schools in in the local area. You know that that shows that the club are are in the in the local community and the schools. Yeah, it's something we were talking about last night actually, and uh, I didn't think there was that many sort of schools in the area. So yeah, it's tremendous. That you, you imagine it, you know going to all those schools and the amount of work that they're getting through and. You know, there's a lot of people who, who do stuff for the foundation who you not get paid, do they? And doing it in their own time, and you know, there's a lot of time and, and effort spent there. And I think they're they're very unsung the foundation, some of the stuff they do. So I know we mention them on here every now and again. And you know, I think it, it is brilliant the stuff that they do. And to get into the schools and that is is something we need to do. And also, just going to you might we might speak about it soon about the marketing. You know, we're doing quite a bit of marketing for this cast game and I think it's, it's vitally important now and to get in with the schools and get the kids there that's they're the future of the club and if you can get them while they're young you've got them for life yeah I agree with that Paul a lot of people say Ryan that they don't go into the local community in the local schools but facts uh, you know they put out today shows that they do yeah I was, uh, was going to compliment that as well like the foundation do a great job and so many schools in Salford and you know, they seem to really get around there and spread a good word about the club and I also like to pick up on what uh, on what Paul said about the um, the marketing they've done for the cast game. Like you know, it's great to see that effort there from the club, and you know, hopefully that'll 
help us get a bigger crowd. And it should be like that every week. You know, marketing should be a really big part of what the club do. Um, you know, I think I think that's a, been a neglected area of the club. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a decent crowd. Like, it's going to be tough with the situation with being on telly. But, you know, if we get some nice weather, it's uh, be a good, a good evening. Guys, I have to echo that, Ryan. You know, it's all about getting our message out there. Uh, obviously, the, the club have, have, you know, the ability to throw out, I don't know, 10,000, you know, leaflets to, to lots of home, homes in, in, the, in the local area. But us fans, I think, personally, also have a, have a responsibility to, to, to plug the game. Uh, even, obviously, if it's just one poster at your local pub or, or your work, Ryan, you know, you do your bit. That, that's all that matters, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And one thing, like, is it, we seem to do this and we'll do it once. And then it, it'll, we won't do it again, and it'll just like start to dwindle out a bit. But this needs to be every week. You need to be selling, selling, pushing, pushing, non-stop, relentless sales for the tickets. And what I would do if I was the club, I'd go. I remember we used to put like quite a lot of posters around the city and get it in the public eye. I'd be going to like businesses in like high footfall areas where a lot of cars drive past, and you know, go to them and say, "Look, we'd like to put like a, an A one board outside your thing here. We'll give you." pre-season ticket and we'll come up every other week and put a poster up and it just makes like you it's like you're putting that effort in and you're driving the club forward and I think that's something that we really need to look at uh, especially going into next season if we're spending the full cap and I heard like we potentially might be bringing a marquee player in as well which is exciting so you'll just pay someone like 25 grand a year a quality market who's going to come in and do a job and be commissioned paid commission on the the crowd increases for that year to be honest, you could probably do it through sponsors as well, Paul. If obviously people are sponsoring the club, you could just say, you know, part of the deal, let's just put, like, yeah. like you said, a board on the edge of your premises to, you know, to advertise the game. Easy. Yeah, and, you, and, and another thing, use, use the players to advertise the game. I mean, if you go back to sort of the mid-90s, we had guys like, you know, Fatasini, people like that, characters, and we used them to, to promote the game. And we've got a team full of characters now. You've got lads like Junior Salda, Daniel Vido, Robert Louis. You know, guys like use them on the posters. You know, use their nickname. Get the, you know, get big posters of them up all over the city. That's what you've got to do. You know, get, you know, get people talking about. It. I think that's the thing, is before you can attract people to the game, you've got to get people talking about it, and that's by by getting the posters out. And I'm with Ryan on that one. This has got to be every week, not just just once in a blue moon when when we feel like it. I mean, the Huddersfield game the other week was a joke. I mean, when was that publicised? And then we, we're going on. There was only one thousand nine hundred fifty-eight there. Well, that's why because there was nothing. You know, there's no marketing and, and nothing was done from where I was sat anyway. So you've got to do it every week. You, you can't just be, you know, this this once every every now and again when we feel like it's got to be every week for me. Well, as as fans, you not think you that we have a responsibility to to do that as well. Obviously, the club are only limited amount of staff they've got. You can't expect, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 people to to run around the city putting posters up because that's probably the whole club really. It's up to us fans. To, to print one poster out from, from your computer and take it to your work and put it up. What's yeah, of course it is, Rob. It's, it's, one, it's one poster in one place. It's not too much to ask, is it really, Paul? No, not at all, not at all. But just my argument is we've got the Trafford Centre there as well and when we've got to use that. We've, we've got a lot of positive things at Salford that we need to use. We've got a great stadium. We've got the Trafford Centre across the road. We've got a motorway that runs past us with thousands and thousands of people going past. We've got a rugby union team. I mean, I don't like bigging them up, but they're not a bad side. Either. You've got to use all these tools to help your team, you know, promote your team. And I don't think we do that as, as much as we should, really. And, and um, I know, you know, it's, it's hard to get posters out and things like that. But, you know, we've got a bit of money behind us now in, in Cash, And 
you know, we shouldn't be lagging behind other teams. We should our marketing should be as good as everybody else's, just from my opinion anyway. Just to come in again, um, it's such a cost-effective way as well, and we used to do it so well back in the day, from what I can remember. Uh, you know, I drive past Regent Road every day, and you know they've got massive advertisement boards there because the amount of cars that drive past there every day, and there's businesses literally on either side of that. Obviously, some of them like probably like you know cousins and that they wouldn't you know they wouldn't advertise, but there's other smaller businesses there. To put an A1 board up there and just say to that company, look, from Salford. Really like you to get involved there, you know, helping the club market. All we want to do is put an A4, A1 board every other week. You know, we're going to bring a poster, put it up. And we'll give you a free, one free season ticket and then potentially like hospitality year. It costs you like what? If that costs, that poster costs like 10 quid. If that gets like an extra like five people there, it's paid for itself like in an instant. Do you know what I mean? So it's such, such an easy thing to do. And all you've got to do is pay someone from the club literally like 18 grand a year to do that job and then work in the foundation on the evenings. It's, it's such a good idea. Well, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll uh, listen to the show and put it into practice. I'd do that job, Ryan. I'd bite your hand off for that job for 18 grand a year. I'll, I'll, I'm your man. I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, see, that, that's the thing, you see. It's up to them. This is the standard. You put yeah. your posters out. We want it every week. And if you can do it, you know, against Castleford this week, you can do it, you know, next home game, and you can do it the game after. I, I just think it, it's about presence for me in the city. You, you've got to get, you know, posters out there, and you've got to let people know. Social media, guys, I feel was spot on. I don't think there's anything else to kind of improve. We're, in, you know, we're improving. Uh, we're letting people's faces. We're letting no people know that there's a game on online. But you're only engaging with people who are actually following you. You really need to go out there, Ryan, now and and find the people who are, who aren't. Yeah, mate, we just need to, just more effort, that's all it is, more effort and investment as well, like I said, if, if you pay someone like 18 grand a year, what's that like, how many tickets would you have to get? I'm sure that person would easily pay for themselves um, by just, you know, getting out there and we just need to get a winning run, you know, you look at Hull FC this year and, you know, I think they've won like 10 games in a row now, they took 3,500 fans to cast now. Do you reckon they'd be taking three and a half thousand fans to Cass if they were in our position? Probably not, but you know, you just got to keep pushing all the time, and you know, things will start to come together. So, hopefully, yeah, yeah, like I say, exciting times. Hopefully, you know, we'll continue to, to market it and you know, we'll get bigger and bigger. So, that was the end of the news. And what we'll do now, we'll have a look what the amateur teams did uh, this week in Paul's amateur review. But we start this week's amateur review by looking at um, the Salford Red Devils under-19s. There's no game this week just gone, but they are in action again this coming Thursday, the 30th of June, 7 o'clock kick-off at the AJ Bell Stadium, when the Young Devils entertain the City of Hull Academy. So get yourselves down to that one if you can. We go on to the National Conference Leagues now in the Premier Division. Casford Lock Lane 24, Rochdale Mayfield 32. Big win there for Rochdale Mayfield. Into Division 2, Salford City Roosters went down 20 points to 12 at Bradford Dudley Hill. Really unlucky, the Roosters as well. Coach uh, Paul Verdon had to make eight changes from the side that beat Askham last week in the league due to injuries to key players again. Mark Thomas took the Man of the Match awards and there was tries from Mark Thomas and Andrew Muscat. Well, Bradley White kicked, uh, kicked two goals. So that was an unlucky result really for Salford City Roosters in adversity. 20 points to 12, that one finished. Also in Division 2, saddle with Rangers 44, Dewsbury Celtic 6. Big win there for the Rangers. On to Division 3. 
Drillington 26, Waterhead Warriors 14, that one finished. And the fixtures for this week in the National Conference League, these are all taking place on Saturday the 2nd of July. In the Premier Division, it's Rochdale Mayfield against Hull Dockers. And in Division 2, Stanley Rangers play Salford City Roosters. And in Division 3, it's Gateshead Storm against Oldham St. Anne's and Waterhead Warriors against Castleford Panthers. Plenty of action in the North West Men's League. We start on Friday night, the 24th of June, Manchester Rangers 26, Oldham St. Anne's A24. Saturday's results in Division 1 of the North West Men's League, it was Charlie Panthers 12, Folly Lane 14. In Division 2, Berry Broncos 18, Leyland Warriors 40, Holton Farnworth Hornets 24, Lee East A6. Rochdale Mayfield A34, Widnes Tigers 24, and in Division 4, Caddy's Ed Rhinos 14, Eccleston Lions 50. The game between Garswood Stags and Rochdale Cobras was postponed. Little Hulton Reds 34, Colchef Eagles 34, Manchester Rangers A82, Berry Broncos A18, West and Lions 90, Bolton Mets 0. In Division 5, Clockface Miners A against Salford City Roosters was postponed. Liverpool Lions against Caddy's Head Rhinos A was postponed. Oral St James A23, Langworthy Reds 30. Great win away from home for Langworthy Reds. Their tries coming two from Mickey Evans, one from Charlie Kerrigan, one from Kieran Bamba, and one from Callum Jones. And five goals from Mickey Evans. So a fantastic win for the Langworthy Reds away from home. Couple of results in the entry division. It was Littleborough 40, Blackpool Stanley 22. And Bold Miners 6, Mancunians 16. So this coming Saturday, the fixtures for the North West Men's League. Most of the sides are in cup action. We start off with the North West Men's League Trophy quarterfinals. Leyland Warriors play Manchester Rangers. Berry Broncos play Lee Minor Rangers A. And in the North West Men's League Shield quarterfinals, Manchester Rangers A play Rochdale Cobras. Oral St. James A play Caddy's Head Rhinos A. Now moving on to the North West Youth Leagues, we start off with the under-18s, where in the Premier Division it was Oral St James 7, Rochdale 12. In the Premier 2, Blackbrook 18, Waterhead 0. Saddleworth 28, Portico Vine 28, sorry, easy for you to say. In the under-16s, Premier Division, it was Charlie 6, Rochdale 32. In Division 2, Salford 50, Telford 22. In Division 3, Langworthy 50, Kulchef 0, Portico 0, Folly Lane 56, Higginshaw 6, Dalton 36. In the under 15s, Lee Miners 32, Oldham St Anne 16, Waterhead 14, Holton Hornets 36. In Division 1 of the under 15s, it was Folly Lane 0, Saddleworth Rangers 36. And in Division 2, South Trafford 16, Blackpool Scorpions 30, Caddy's Head Rhinos 30. Oral St James nil. That Caddy's Head Rhinos win coming on the back of their tremendous victory at Rochdale in the Cup last week. So congratulations to Caddy's Head again. And Rochdale Mayfield 18, Leyland Warriors nil. So the fixtures for this weekend in the Youth and Junior Leagues. We start off, most of the games are, in fact all the games, sorry, are on Sunday the 3rd of July. And we start with the under-18s, Premier Division 1. It's Wigan St Jude's against Oldham St Anne's. Premier 2 is Waterhead against Crossfields, Leyland against Saddleworth. The under-16s Premier Division, Waterhead versus Newton Storm, Rochdale versus Shevington. Division 2, Liverpool versus Salford, and Oral versus Saddleworth. Division 3 is Langworthy versus Folly. 
In the under-15s, Lancashire Cup, round one, Wigan St. Jude's play Oldham St. Anne's, Waterhead play Blackpool Scorpions, Folly Lane play Halton Hornets. In Division 1 of the under-15s, Saddleworth Rangers play Burton Wood Bulldogs. In Division 2, Pilkingtons play Rochdale Mayfield, Blackbrook Blues play the Caddies Ed Rhinos and Leyland Warriors play South Trafford. Well, finally this week on the Amateur Report, we've got a bit of good news from the Salford Red Devils Foundation as two local lads have signed professional deals with the club. Two Salford-based players from the Salford Red Devils Foundation Rising Stars programme have signed professional contracts with the club following an impressive season in the under-16s team. Ben Mosley and Jack Radcliffe attend the Walton High School and Earlham High School respectively and have both progressed through the Foundation's Emd the Pathway and Rising Stars programmes and have now signed two-year contracts with the Red Devils. Mosley, who plays on the wing, is a rugby union convert and rejected offers from the other coal to commit his future to, to the Devils. Ratcliffe, who is also an outside back, has come through the age groups at local club Salford City Roosters, impressing the foundation's team and coaches and scouts. The success of Mosley is a sign of the fantastic partnership developing between the Salford Red Devils Foundation and Walton High School. The foundation has been hugely involved with developing rugby league at the school, with specialist coaches delivering the Sky Tri programme, which encourages kids to take up the sport. Andy Tolbutt, a PE teacher from Walton High School, is delighted with Ben's success, he said. We are absolutely delighted to hear of Ben's achievement and he is fully deserving of this opportunity to develop his game and improve further. A natural athlete, Ben only began playing rugby league in year 7 so it just goes to show his talent and what a special player he is. His dedication to the sport in the past 5 years has been exceptional. It is no more than he deserves. The local boy done good. The two Salford-based players signed alongside eight other lads from a wider area and all of them have been have benefited from the expertise and knowledge of the Red Devils Foundation specialist coaches. The Foundation's player development manager, Danny Barton, has been present throughout the players' progression into the academy and is pleased to see the two lads making such a big impact. It's a brilliant moment for all ten of the rising stars that have been offered deals to and it's fantastic to have two really promising lads from the local area in that group. The boys have done really well to get to the stage and hard work starts now hopefully we start to see more and more local players coming through the system and into the first team ben and jack are joined in signing for the academy by lewis clark from lee east claudio de freitas from wigan st jude's tyler dupree from Sidall rugby league keegan brennan from waterhead warriors josh whitehall from waterhead warriors liam leach from waterhead warriors kieran moore from wollstone rovers and jay Britt Abraham from Latchford so that's fantastic news from the foundation and let's hope they keep up the good work and all the best from everyone at Devil in the Detail that's it for the amateur report this week I'll catch you next week cheers Paul and what we'll do now we'll uh, have a look at who is going to be our next inductee in the 200 club uh, for the Devil in the Detail so the next person to be inducted into the Devil in the Details 200 club Paul do you want to make the announcement yeah we're going to uh, be looking at Malcolm Alka tonight uh, one of my sort of favourite favourite players of the last fifteen years or so, and uh, yeah, I think it'd be great to look at Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm Alka, kind of a modern day uh, legend, really, right? You know, played so many games for the club, and you know, was our leader for a good ten years. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic servant to the club, Malcolm, um, an absolute warrior. Um, for me, he was my favourite player growing up. I had the pleasure of uh, getting lift to work off Malk. Um when uh, during the Sean McRae area the last year of the Willows and you no know, he's just just a great bloke for me and uh, 
you know, I think he'll be remembered as one of the Salford greats. Yeah, we had him on a podcast uh, last year, and these are the highlights uh, of his interview. Uh, how did you move to Salford come back? Um, well, again, I was at Wigan St. Pat's, and you believe this or not, or believe it or not, but it was, I was actually due to go into the Navy. I'd, 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 I'd basically done the tests and, uh, in Liverpool, and my dad had taken me down and all that, and it was basically right. You've got, to, you've got to go down and sign sign your papers in, in I think it's four days. And I played at Salford. I'm sorry, at Salford. I played at Wigan St. Pat's. I think I scored two tries in three years. Andrew Gregg come down. I'm, I'm not bothered blowing me on trumpet. But I had a blind that day. He scored two tries. And we only were away at the time. And uh, Andrew Gregg sat, sat at the side of me. He was at the bar, but I wasn't drinking. Obviously, because I was too young. And said, uh, I don't believe you're your you're mouth's like that, yeah? I said, yeah. So how do you feel about signing for Salford? I said, well, I'm fine with it. I said, I'll have to speak to my dad. And that, that, that's that's what I care about. There's a lot of big characters in that in that squad early in your career. How, how did you deal with that? Uh, it was a, it was, that was a tough era that made to be with you. It was a, a brutal area. You, you, basically, you weren't allowed in the dressing rooms unless you deserved to be in that dressing room. Uh, nowadays, the kids think you've got a right to be in the dressing room, the first team dressing room. Back then, that wasn't the case. You had to be invited into that dressing room. Even if you was training there, you had to be invited in there. And that's how... That's how difficult of a period it was. And for me, I, I was fetched up with likes of Andy Platt, uh, Steve Hampson, you know, all the old masters, the senior Marlow, Joe Marlow, the people there are pretty brutal, you know, Paul Forber, you know, all, all, all the mirror at Bradley. You know, those, those people don't like off like that. And I've got vivid memories of one day we was training at, um, at the university and I had to carry the water on my own. I'm not joking here, it felt like it was three miles away and they all stood at the side and they watched me do it and funny side to that is when I was finishing my career I was, we were actually training at the same place and everybody was carrying the water now you might say well it's a team game you should all be doing it but there were some cocky blokes out there who didn't really the younger kids didn't come through in the right manner in my opinion mm. but do you think that shaped your career you know having to let's not you know, start at the very bottom carrying the water and yeah yeah I think it did I think it shaped me, me as a character as well um you know, I used to get banged off the ball in training just to see how I could react to it. And that's, and that's not them just making a excuse. That's what they were doing. I knew they were doing that. But you just got up and carried on with it. And just, you know, that just rolls you into, a, into your own character. I know Andy Gregory handed you the captaincy in 2000, wasn't it? The youngest captain. Um, how, did, how did that make you feel? And I bet your dad was a bit proud, was yeah, it? Yeah, well, I mean, I was shocked, first and foremost. But obviously... Like most of us that believed him to be that, and I mean, I remember that day. I'm captaining the people, I'm captaining people who played 30 40 games with Ripper. How would you describe Malcolm Axe and Malcolm Axe the captain? Um, I would just say I was a, a, a player that tried to lead by example. Um, unfortunately, I weren't always that example off the field, but on, on the field and at training, you know, I would like to think that every day I turned up and there was no better standard word than yourself, and that's you know that's that's how I how I developed my game, and I, I'm not just saying that. Every time I went to my training field, I wanted to win everybody, any, everything I could do, from the start to the very finish and the age to, to the finish at the end. Yeah, I so say a lot of people we've spoken to put you as you know being you know the top captain that they played under. Um, how does that make you feel? And your fellow professionals saying you know that about you? Oh, it makes make sure you stand up on the back of your neck, doesn't it? That you know you've got that respect from the, from, you know, from people that you you're going into battle with really. That, that's what that's what the game of rugby is. You basically prepare for battle all week, and then at the end of the week you're going into battle. And then for somebody to stand up and say that to you, then 
you know, like Goblin's got told that they won't want anybody else on the side with the trenches over the mate. And that's, that's someone who's played, you know, another one of the games before me. So that, that gives you, you know, some kind of doing something right somewhere. You know, bond I've made with the fans at the club and you know, obviously the community, you know, basically, it's, that, that's where I'm at. So great little bit there from from Malcolm Alka, uh, Paul. You know he's will, he'll probably go down as one of our one of our greats. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, you wouldn't think Malcolm Alka came from from Wigan. You'd think he was Salford because my dad always used to say to me, you know, if you cut Malcolm Alka in half, he'd he'd be Salford through and through. You know, like a stick of rock, he'd be Salford. And he was a Wigan lad, really, wasn't he? But but you know, um, just going back to his career, and making his debut. I remember his debut away at Sheffield in nineteen ninety seven season. We we got beat at Sheffield, and he came on that day. He, he did well. And, um, you know, in 2000, he became the captain at, you know, 21 years of age. I think Darren Brown got injured and he took over the captaincy. You know, there's not many, many lads who take that on. And he was, I don't know, he was just such a great leader. He was wise beyond his years, wasn't he, really? At 21, he was he was leading the team. And people sort of respected him and looked up to him, even at such a young age. And I don't think there's, there's, there's many people I've seen, player-wise, be as mature as, as he was at that age. Yeah, I think it was kind of his do-as-I-do attitude. Uh, Ryan, that that you know that everyone loved. Yeah, he was just just a massive grafter, Malk, and you know the the tackles he used to put in and the defence, and he had that communication, and he you know towards the end of his career, he started getting really good at runs from dummy half, and his passing was just class, and I think he was just so consistent every week, Malk. Like you know, he was just one of them players, and he just he just always seemed to have a good game, Malk, and he was just just a warrior and really led by example in that side. It makes you wonder, Paul, what he'd be like in the in the current team. Obviously, you know, would he would he be a, a full eighty minute uh, hooker like he used to be, or do you think he'd uh, put him spell him like he did uh, later on his career? No, he'd be an eighty minute. He, yeah. He's he's what we're crying out for now. Oak if he was in that side now, we'd probably be you know a lot better than what we are. He'd be winning us some of the, some of those games. I think that's what the team's crying out for. We've not got that. Sometimes you need when you're in so when you're away at Castleford or Wakefield and you. You're in a bit of a bit of a rut. You're in the trenches. You need a bloke like Malcolm to, to dig you out and, and win you the games. And you need that steel. And sometimes this season we've not had that, and we've lost those, we've lost those games. And um, you know Malcolm used to do that all the time. If you go back to sort of the late '90s, early 2000s, there were pretty dark days watching Salford. Then we were down at the bottom of the table. You know, I remember that John Harvey coming into coaches and and what have you, and we were poor. But Malcolm sort of carried that team. He did in my eyes anyway. He carried us, and he was he was there every week. And you could never ever question his commitment or his performance. He never had a poor game. I never thought he did. He, he and his tackles. You know, every season he was that sort of you know, the, top, the what they call it, the hitman, don't they? The top sort of Super League tackle maker. And he was like 900 tackles a season. You know, 50 tackles a match. And um, a lot of the time he was playing with injury as well. There was loads of times where he'd, he'd, he'd go off injured, he'd be having some sort of operation, and you'd be thinking, oh, blimey, he's not going to be back for six weeks. And he'd be back in the side the week after, you know. And he was just like the bionic man. And, yeah, he's, he's definitely a hero of mine. And I don't think I've seen a player at Salford since him anyway. I think the famous one, I think, Ryan, is when he has he have his appendix out and he played six days later. Uh, you know, that, that shows, you know, the heart and, and the commitment he had. Yeah, definitely. Like, he's, he was... I just, I've just not seen many players like Malk. He's just, just complete, just a relentless worker, and you know he just gave absolutely everything. Like you know, there's a lot of games where he played 80 minutes. I'm sure at Ucker and you know the workload he'd take on in that side. I remember that year we did really well. Was it 2005, six, and 
I can just remember the work rate you put in and you know, he really led by example and he's just just a solid grafter. I think I suppose his only disappointment really, Paul, is is not getting, you know, much representative uh, level caps for England. I suppose he had a lot of talent, uh, you know, to compete with um, you know, in his time and I'm sure if he played now he'd he'd probably own that shirt. Yeah, I was just going to come to that now. Yeah, I mean, I I thought Alker at his peak around maybe the 2003 season to about 2006. He, I remember one night um, going. I mean, I know the opposition was only Swinton. No disrespect to them, but I remember going there. I think it was a Wednesday night. Um, we played him in the Arriva Trains Cup at Moor Lane, and uh, we beat him 72 nil. And he scored a hat trick, Alker. Three consecutive tries from three consecutive kickoffs without Swinton touching the ball. And I mean, I think two of the tries were like 60 metre breaks. And that's just something that I've always remembered that I've never forgot that. But um, but no, I think he was uh, he was unlucky at the time. I think Brian Noble was the Great Britain coach for, for some of that time, wasn't he? And a few other people. And they, they didn't seem to, to favour Malk. And uh, I think James Lowe's got picked over him a few times. He was coming towards the end of his career. And I think it was the wrong decision. I think, think Malcolm uh, should have got that shirt. But... Perhaps he should have gone to Australia. I mean, there's a lot of talk about him going playing over there, wasn't there? And he didn't take that opportunity. He was loyal to Salford. And I remember John Wilkinson, you know, Ryan's granddad, John, coming out and saying that at the time, how loyal Malcolm was. And I think you've got to respect him for that. And, um, you know, he'll definitely go down as a great of Salford. But that's without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think, obviously, Ryan, you know, the opportunity came for him to, to go to Australia and he decided to, against it. Um, you know, you, I don't think you'd get that kind of, you know, commitment, uh, you know, these days off a player. No, not at all. I can remember that quite well, actually. I think uh, St. George came in for him. I believe um, was it Nathan Brown was there at the time. I'm not sure anyway, but um, yeah, I, you never get that today. No, never. Uh, you know, you look at how many English players are now, you know, playing over in the NRL. And, you know, I've got to be honest, if I was a top, top Super League player, you know, I definitely go and play in the NRL. Having lived in Australia myself, it's just an incredible competition. The facilities are amazing. You know, they're like superstars over there. It's the biggest sport in Sydney and Brisbane. They like Premier League football. It's like the equivalent of that. And you know, the weather and the lifestyle. Like, I can't blame anyone for doing it. And it'll probably benefit us in the on the international stage as well, which is something that we've really lacked for a long time. So. No, I, I definitely don't think you'd have that happen today. Yeah, obviously, when he finished sort of playing, um, he kind of went into a coaching role at Salford. It all kind of ended bitterly in the end, Paul. Um, it's a real shame, really, because obviously, you know, being a, a club, a sort of legend, it, you know, it, it, to finish that way, you know, with the club, it was a, a sad way to finish. Yeah, it was. It was. I was very disappointed. I was gutted for him. Um, I remember the, going back to like August, July, August uh, 2010, I think it was, and um, he'd had a few injuries, Malcolm, and he had a few problems with his neck and this, that and the other. And it was an injury that he couldn't shake off. He'd, he'd come back and then he'd, he'd go off injury again. I remember him announcing that you know he wasn't going to carry on the, the next season because obviously a neck injury, things like that, you know, it, it can have an effect on the rest of your life, can't it? I mean, it's. It's one of one of those things. So uh, I remember him announcing that, and he did join the coaching staff. And then, obviously, there was there was things that went on. And uh, if anybody out there has not read his book, I'd give that a plug because it's an absolutely fantastic read. I read it in about a day and a half. I think it was absolutely brilliant. It had me hooked to it. But uh, but yeah, it did end sour for for Malcolm. But um, he'll, he'll definitely go down as a legend at Salford. I suppose that's all kind of in the past now. And obviously, you know, um, hopefully, you know, he'll he'll come back, and you know, the fans will always love him. Uh, you know, to uh, at the uh, the AJ Bell, Ryan. Yeah, he actually. Uh, I think he was at the Wigan game, wasn't he? Uh, he walked past the the south stand there, and 
you know, people were still singing his name, which was good to see. And, you know, I, I, don't, I think when it, it came down to him working in the coaching team, I don't think he worked well with, like, Sean McRae, to be honest. And, um, you know, we all know what sort of a disaster that season was. But, you know, I, I'd like to see someone like Mal come back in, to be honest. I know, I know others would probably disagree, but... I'd agree with you wholeheartedly there, mate. His work ethic alone. Oh, mate. Yeah. You know, he's got the club at heart. And, yeah. you know, I think bring him in as like a defensive coach. Yeah. I tell you what, mate, you would not... Like, get him under Tim Sheen. You'd listen to Tim. Top defensive coach. He would. He, he would. He really would. He always... Um, my memories of him, he always reminded me as like a soldier. You know, when he saw him on the pitch... Oh, he just looked like a soldier on the pitch, like a general, an army general leading him about. That's what he reminded me of. He could have been like, you know, playing for Salford at weekend and in the SAS and during the week, because <laughs> that—that's what he see, seemed like to me. But one of my um, one of my favourite memories of him was I don't know if you remember back at the start of the 2003 season, we had like a, there was a fundraiser wanting him to keep the the team full time and um, raising money and that, you know. So and I remember going. I think it was Forever Reds. I joined the Forever Reds and and that and. Uh, made a bit of a contribution and we had a bit of a night there and my dad won the raffle won a signed ball and um, he went on the stage and, and Malcolm Alka presented it with him and I just remember him like my dad's pretty quiet normally but he sort of pulled this microphone off Malcolm Alka and he started giving this speech to all the audience saying how he should be in the Great Britain team and how he's so much better than Jimmy Lowe's and I was just sat there in the corner cringing but <laughs> I remember Malcolm smiling and uh, like coming over to us afterwards saying oh it was really really nice of him and I know he's a, a player that my dad always admired and just going back to the um, the the bit before about you saying him going to St George I mean you look at this season I mean I'm not having a go at Josh Griffin whatsoever he's got the opportunity to go and play for Hull and he, fair play to him respect his decision he's took that but you just look at Malcolm's loyalty, the way he stayed at Salford. That just shows you how he had, he had us at heart. And I don't begrudge anybody going better in themselves or progressing their careers. But you won't ever meet many blokes like Malcolm Alker, who, who's committed to that side. And he's like, I think he was like a player and like a supporter at the same time. You know the passion he had for Salford. I agree with that, Paul. It's just unfortunate he was kind of not surrounded by a similar quality of player. You know, for for a large sort of period of, of his career, Ryan. No. It makes you wonder what what. You know, we could have achieved if we had three or four sort of Malcolm Alkers in, in the team. Definitely. He was just, he, yeah, he was, he was just next level, Malk. He, he really was. And if, if he'd have had three or four of, you know, with that sort of commitment and that drive, you know, I think we'd have had, you know, some really successful sides. But, you know, players just seem to come at go at Salford. You know, other clubs like, you know, Wigan and St. Ellen's and Leeds. You know, I think that continuity is really important and that's something we need to look at doing going forward. Like, you know, the, the overhaul of players over the last three years has just been absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it, to be honest, in, in any in any rugby league club. But, you know, I think that's something we need to, you know, put back in place. And having people like Malk there and Ian Watson, you know, I think that's the only way you're going to sort of, you know, get that sort of continuity again in the club. Yeah, I suppose it's all about identity, Paul, really. Because obviously, Malcolm Alkin is, is sort of Mr Salford for everyone, you know, in the outside uh, outside the club, like. Yeah, he was. And I was very, very annoyed at the way it all ended with, with Malcolm. I don't want to go into detail, but there were certain people at Salford who I thought sponged off Salford for far too long. And I won't name any names, but I'm sure we all know who we're talking about. And I think Malcolm was treated very, very unfairly. And um, yeah, and it was just so sour that it ended like that. You know, a guy who's been there for for so long, you know, 12, 13 years, and that's how he left. But that's how he, he won't be remembered like that for me. He'll be remembered for me for 
for for carrying that Salford team, like I said before, through the through the late nineties, early two thousands, and then it was a shame, like you say, we had glimmers, didn't we? Sort of two thousand and six. I mean, I can remember every game that season, you know, clear as a bell. It was, you know, there was so many fantastic performances that season. We was unlucky not to sort of do better than what we did. Really, we, we had a tough run in the cup, and we could have gotten that out of Wigan. Huddersfield, I think, knocked us out in the end in that. But you know, um, yeah, if you'd have had better players around him at the time, you don't know what might have been, but. No, we, we had some good times under under Malcolm Alker and he gave Salford a lot. Yeah, so we're going to put Malcolm Alker in the, the devil in the detail 200 club uh, for his fantastic efforts in, in a red shirt. So now what we're going to do on the podcast, we're going to look at statistically how the boys have performed uh, so far uh, this season. Uh, Paul, you know, you can tell a lot, can't you, from, from stats. It's not the total story, but, you know, you can see, you know, patterns and, and now it's, uh, how, it's, how, how it's all shaping up. Yeah, you can see patterns and you can see what's what's going on and what progress is being made and uh, it can show certain things up, can't it? And, and certain players who are doing the job and certain players who aren't doing the job. So I think you can see a lot from stats, can't you? But uh, I don't think it tells the whole story, but I, said, I think it, there's, there's still a lot you can take from it. Yeah, we'll start with, obviously with, with the team. Uh, the tries we've scored so far this season, we've scored 85 tries. We're live fifth in the try scoring charts, Ryan. Uh, Warrington at uh, a top with 97 uh, so you know you know we are you know we've got some powerful uh, you know try scoring uh, players in that team and you know towards the top shows that you know we are a, a force. Yeah, you know fifth in the um, try scoring you know uh, table that's that's really good and you know I think we should be proud of that. We're, we're a really exciting team to watch this year and you know, I think like players like Robert Louis and Gaz O'Brien you know they've got a great passing game and um, yeah it's just good to see it's scoring a load of points and that's that's what puts bums in seats at the end of the day and you know hopefully improve our defence a little bit and we'll win a few more games yeah talking about assists Ryan um, our sort of assist record is 78 uh, we've actually assisted tries rather than you know capitalising on errors Paul it shows that you know that we have got quite a quick creative spine with the likes of O'Brien and Louis and, and Dobson you know making the majority of our tries yeah, I think so. I mean, the last sort of last few seasons, anyway, since we've moved to the AJ Bell Stadium, but certainly the early two years there, we we weren't like the biggest point scorers in the world, were we? But whereas this season, I've been surprised. You know, sometimes you look at the team and think, "Come on, heck, have we actually scored that many points." I mean, we've scored more than you know, sort of Wigan, you know, a lot more than them as well. But it is just the defence now that needs tightening for me. I mean, we have got a lot of creative players in that side and we, we don't seem to have a problem scoring the tries it's just it's just keeping them out the run and especially a lot of the soft ones and a lot of tries from kicks as well that we seem to concede yeah I think obviously the, the people above us on the on the try scoring are Warrington Catalan Hull uh, and Castleford uh, Hull you know flying high at the top of the league Ryan uh, Castleford are uh, our visitors on Friday it's going to you know it's looking like it's going to be an entertaining game with both sides uh, you know knowing where the line is yeah it should be um, you know we've been to Cast twice this year and you know, especially the first time we went, that was probably one of the best away days this season. And the second time it was it was an exciting game again. So you know, uh, you know they're, they're a good team. Cast they throw the ball about, so do we. So you know, hopefully it'll be good conditions and we'll have a good game of rugby league. Yeah, talking about our defence, Paul, we've made so far we've made six thousand and seventy-five tackles uh, and currently like eighth in in the in the Super League uh, tackling table. We'll call it. Uh, you know, I suppose. Defensive is, is the issue of ours, but you know we are mid-table. We're not, you know, being overworked in defence. No, they're not being overworked, but we have looked a bit sort of 
what's the word I'm looking for? Vulnerable, I think, um, defending our line. If a side gets a, a two sets on our line, we don't seem to be able to sometimes hold them out. I think that's one of the things for me. I think a bit of it's organisation, isn't it? Um, but especially the kicks out wide. Every time a kick goes out wide against against Salford, your heart's in your mouth, isn't it? And uh, that's something I think we need to improve on. Definitely, and uh, you know we've let a few, especially in the Huddersfield game. <clears throat> excuse me. I thought a couple of tries at Huddersfield scored in the Crabtree one, close to the line. He should have been stopped really. Um, so that's something we, we need to work on. I mean, we've not really been bust down the middle. I mean, I remember going to Hull on the first night of the season, and um, they sort of blew us away really. And we were all walking out of the ground thinking, blimey, they're a lot bigger than us. We're going to get pummeled like this every week. And we haven't been. We've muscled up. You know, like guys like George Griffin and that have. Um, Punched above the weight, and they really worked hard. The Millcrate cop jacket is another one. But for me, it's just the goal, the goal line defence that needs tightening up. I think. Yeah, obviously with, with the the defence, you know, Ryan. I suppose it's it's a matter of, of making the tackles. We're kind of fifth, kind of bottom when it comes to the the, the tackling, the missed tackles. But you know, it, it shows that you know we're, we're willing to put the effort in. And obviously, we're going to miss a few. It's rugby league; you do miss the odd tackle. But I think it's we need to kind of move ourselves further up that uh, sort of that missed tackle league, really. Yeah, um, you know, you can't fault the effort from the lads this year. You know, it's been the odd game where we haven't been, you know, up to scratch. But, you know, the effort's been there. But for me, looking to next year and who we're going to bring in, like, I, I really do think we need some size in that pack. You know, you look at Hull, you know, the reason why they're doing so well is they've got a massive team. You know, uh, the forwards really lay the platform for, you know, the backs to to play their rugby and, uh, you know, look at Warrington, Catalan, they're, they're big teams and Wigan as well. Like, I, I just think we need a bit of size in there. I think, you know, I think, I think we're a bit soft as well. Like, you know, you know, last year, to be fair, our discipline was poor this year, as improved, but I think we need a bit more aggression in the side. I don't think anyone would really fear playing us. Whereas, imagine if you were running at all with like, you know, Scott, uh, Scott Taylor and Frank Pitchard and stuff like that. I just don't think we've got a fear factor in the team. And we had that with, like, you know, your Gazox and your, your Harrison Hansons. I just think we need a few, like, bit dirty players, to be honest, someone who I don't want to really run at. Yeah, I suppose it's, you know, the players, I suppose it's all about grafting and you kind of do need a little bit of needle, don't you? But I suppose, Paul, it's all about not getting caught if, if, you, if you're going to go down that road. Yeah, the best one of the best players I remember for that. Remember David Hume? Yeah. We got him late nineties. I loved him. I thought he was a cracking player at Widdes. And when we got him, um he, he used to be a dish it out like that, didn't he? Really hard bloke. But he seemed to always get away with it for me, you know, off the ball and rub your head in the, the grass and give you a bit of an elbow and that. But I know what Ryan's saying, yeah. He's right. We we have lacked that biff. I think we've lacked it for a few seasons. Even last year with the likes of Ock played, I mean how many times did Ock play he was always suspended, wasn't he? Or you know, up the wall somewhere, wasn't he? So he wasn't in the team anyway. So, but you do need, I think you need that definitely. And I mean, last season when we were playing like that under Harris, we, remember going to Huddersfield last Easter Monday, I think it was. We beat Huddersfield there. We played well, but we outmuscled them, and they were frightened to death. We still pummeled them, and I came away from that game thinking, "Blimey, I mean, that's one of the best performances I've seen for years." And that was due to like you know them sort of attack. I'm not saying like. Dirty tactics, but you know, just just playing it to the. There's a fine line, isn't there? and and we was doing that last season in certain games, and that's not been there this season. Obviously, it's helped with our with our discipline a bit. I mean, it's not helped completely. I mean, Carney's got banned on it for two games for for a tackle, but um, but yeah, I think I think you do need that. You know, if you look at it, there's no no secret that the top four in the Super League have probably got the biggest packs, haven't they? Mm. And the most aggressive packs, and you know that's probably why. 
Yeah, talking about you know being aggressive forwards and and the goal forward pack. Uh, we are currently uh, the third least uh, meter makers in the Super League. We've made uh, twenty two thousand nine hundred and fifty one uh, meters, Ryan. Um, what do you think that's? You think it's because we obviously our pack is a bit more sort of mobile rather than powerful, straight running, harded forwards like. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. Um... No, I, I think we started really well with the meters. It just seems like the last sort of couple of months we started to dwindle down the rankings there. Um, you know, Justin Carney and Josh Griffin were putting massive meters, and I think they were uh, Carney was top, and then I think Josh was second or third there at the start of the year. We're definitely missing him for that. Um, but yeah, I just think you know you look at props and you want him to run onto the ball and make ten meters, and I just think. You know, like George Griffin, like he's put grafting this year, but for me, he's a second rower. I, I don't think he's a top prop. You know, looking to next year, I'd like to see us potentially bring, you know, a, a couple more beastly props in. Uh, maybe, maybe three. You know, just to just to make more meters and get off, get us up the other end of the park. Yeah, even though we are sort of struggling in the meter sort of a category, Paul, our tackle bursts uh, were sixth highest uh, with. 525 so it shows obviously we're not making massive yards but you know we are bursting tackles and, and making chances yeah but Justin Carney's done plenty of them and all and they bursting through but mind you you take about five blokes to stop him anyway because he's such a such a powerful bloke isn't he but but yeah I think we have we, we've we've made the, the sort of breaks haven't we and um, you know Josh Jones for me is one who's come on, on sort of leaps and bounds the last few weeks I mean I thought he, he struggled a bit early on in the season to sort of find Find his position, and um, you know, playing in the centre the last few weeks, he's looked really dangerous every time he's got the ball. He's making the half break, and it's just, it's just having somebody there, you know, to capitalise on that. And I think that's where this, this, this lad, this, this Kenny might come into his own, because I think you know Logan Tompkins, yeah, for he doesn't always seem to be there, backing up, and perhaps this, this lad will be. So uh, that's something we could capitalise on definitely. Yeah, looking at obviously the stats talking about making meters, our average gain is per, you know, per person is. is seven metres and well seven metres point three centimetres whatever it'd be um the top one is warrington with seven metres and 68 so we're not too far away ryan uh but obviously you know improvement is needed yeah it's, it's you know i think it's been a good season considering the players that we've had and you know i've had a few injuries suspensions as well i, th I think we've done you know i think we've done pretty well and we just need to you know bring a few solid acquisitions in next year you know, I've been, I've heard for about two hundred and seventy-five grand under the cap this season, um, which is massive, really, when you think of it. That's that's a couple of maybe a couple of quality players that you intend to bring in with that money. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic still. Like, you know, it's it's been okay. Yeah, people talk about our, kick, our kicking game, Paul. Attacking kicks were third highest in the league with with two hundred. Uh, you know, that's Dobson. Uh, that's O'Brien, that's Rob Lewis, you know, getting us round and, and putting good attacking kicks in uh, throughout the game. Yeah, you've got three blokes on there who can kick the ball, haven't you? Three, three blokes on there who are good with, with the ball in hand. And I think, you know, Gareth O'Brien's been been a revelation, really, hasn't he, at fullback this season. I mean, we weren't, I wasn't really expecting him to, to come in and play that, that position. Um, and he has, he's done, he's done really well. And I think I think Michael Dobson has. I mean, I've noticed he's been getting a lot of criticism on social media recently, Michael. And I tend to stay out of arguments and bits and bobs on there. But um, I think he's getting a lot of unfair stick because I think he's played really well this season. I mean, he's not the guy he was ten years ago, and he's not got the pace he had ten years ago. But he's led us round the pitch, and his kicking game's been really good. 
Especially yeah. the last few weeks, I think, anyway. And I think he's getting a lot of undeserved stick. And same, same with Robert Louis. I mean, his kicking game has been good. And I think we, we've needed that. Yeah, winning at the top of the, uh, the kicking, attacking kicking table with 223. I think Kevin Brown's probably done about 222 of them, uh, Ryan. Uh, but, you know, as I say, like Paul said, you know, Dobson does get a bit of stick. Uh, but, he, you know, he's, he's part of the, the process when it comes to, you know, attacking kicks. And, you know, he's doing a good job for me. Yeah, he is. Um, he's a good player, Dobbo. I think he's had a good season this year. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard that potentially might be going to Australia at the end of the season. You know, but I think you know you can't fault his effort this year. He's a good communicator. He's had the odd bad game. A lot of players do, but you know, I think he's a he's a good player, and you know, he's he's a good guy, and you know, hopefully, he'll be remembered as a good Salford player if he is to move on. Yeah, uh, looking at the clean breaks, we've made 109 clean breaks so far this season. Uh, Castleford are top with 124. Uh, we're the fifth highest uh, in, in, in the league. Shows that, you know, we've got potential. You know, when we make a break, Paul, uh, you know, we are powerful. Yeah, certainly are. We have, we have like Ryan was saying before, we, we've played some exciting stuff this season. I mean, you know, there's been seasons gone by where we've been a bit robotic and a bit... Been a bit stale, haven't we? You know, and uh, but this season I think we've we've played some good stuff, and um, it is just basically a lot of the the games where we've lost have been down to individual errors, haven't they? We can I can ream off a, a half a dozen matches that we should have won, but we've dropped the ball, made mistakes, missed tackles, and conceded silly tries, and that that's what's what's cost us at the end of the day. But if you're going back to the attacking, I think we've we've scored the, the table doesn't lie, does it? We've we've scored lots of points, and we have been exciting to watch. There's no doubt about that, and uh, I think there's just a few. Bits and pieces need tweaking, and like Ryan says, if we can get these these couple of quality players in, and and you know, because we are running well below the cap this season, you're not going to compete with with those those top sides. But you know, we've not been far off them in, in certain games. You know, we, we should have beat Wigan twice, and um, no, I don't think we're, we're that far away. Yeah, talking about errors that uh, that, that turn games, we're the tenth lowest error makers uh, in the uh, the Super League with 207. Uh, Saints are the the, the lowest. Error makers of 190, uh, which shows Ryan that you know we're, we're not causing you know not making too many errors if if we're that high up in the the left the low error count. Yeah, of course. Like you know, it's good good to see that we're keeping hold of the ball and you know, attempting errors out of all clubs. You know, that's that, that's really good and that's something that we should be looking to carry on through to next year as well. And you know, um, it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, looking at the the goals, we've kicked 66 goals. And missed 29 goals. It's like a nearly one in one in three uh, success rate, Paul. You know, it, it shows that we've got some good kickers when when we when we want to. Yeah, Gareth O'Brien's kicked really well on this season. I mean, was it the which game was it now? I think the Huddersfield game. He kicked them all. He kicked most of them against Wigan as well. And he's been, you know, a lot of them have been out wide as well. You know, the tries he scored from Vido recently and, uh, and Justin Carney. He seems to be able to bang them over for fun. Um, and we've had Dobson kicking as well, so uh, I think that's something we've 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 lacked. I mean, recent seasons a, a good goal kicker. I mean, we've had Josh Griffin there kicking as well, and when he's got injured, we've, we've struggled a bit. But you've got sort of three. Well, we're losing Griffin, but you've still got Dobson and, and O'Brien there who, who can kick. Wait a minute. So looking at the stats, the last stat we've got as the team stat is the offloads. Salford have managed. 147 offloads so far this season. Catalan Dragons are the, the only team that have done less with 136, uh, Ryan. You know, I suppose that's that's one thing we've with Gareth Hock uh, leaving. You know, you're going to lose that 
that offloading and tackle ability and you know being that low down in the table it shows that that might be a kind of a, an area we need to improve in yeah going back to what i said earlier about having strength in the pack like i was having a chat i remember yeah, in the pub outside the ground was another sort of fan about the pass, and we didn't think it was good enough this year. Uh, and I think that's something we need to look at for next year, getting these forwards in who've got an offload in the game. Because uh, it adds a, a, a different dimension to your play. Um, it's nice to have an hooker that can offload as well, and it's something we need to improve on, definitely, because you create so many opportunities from offloads and breaks and stuff. Because if you can have a player who's you know, got three men in the tackle and he gets the ball away, you, know, you can create... Pro- problems for the defence and you know that's something where Tim Sheens needs to be looking at when he's when he's picking his players for next season. Yeah obviously now we'll start looking at the uh, the individual uh, stats for stats for the players. Um first one tries our top try scorer is Junior Sal with twelve, Evels with eleven, Justin Carney with eight, Josh Griffin with eight and J- Greg Johnson with seven. Uh, Paul, you know Junior Sal with twelve has had a fantastic season and top of the uh, the try scoring chart and you know it's going to have good Good odds on him uh, finishing there at the end of the season. Yeah, he's had a really solid season up to now, Junior Sal. I mean, last season he was pretty good, but I think this season he's improved uh, improved double on what he was last season. He looks he looks a different player, doesn't he, really, than he was last season. To me, his, his game's improved so much. He's offloading a ball. He looks mean in defence as well. He's defended really well and he's took his chances as well and, and scored the tries. And he's looked dangerous when he's had the ball as well. So I've been really impressed with Junior Sal this season. He's probably probably going to be up there for uh, for player of the year, I would have thought. Yeah, and obviously, Junior Sal is our top try scorer, Ryan. But, you know, Niall Levels with 11, Justin Carney with 8. There's, there's, there's players in that back line who, who can do some serious damage to teams. Yeah, there is, and you know the backs are amazing. Like you know, when you look at next year, like you know, Carney, uh, Josh Jones, Sal and Vido, like that is a frightening backline. Uh, obviously, you've got Louis in the arse with with Gaz O'Brien. You know, potentially new Scrumar coming in as well. So um, yeah, like that's that's somewhere that's a part that we should be really proud of and really strong. But yeah, just just hopefully get a bit more class in the pack and a good uh, good hooker in as well. And uh, who knows next year? It could be, it could be decent. Yeah, obviously to make to to score the tries, you need people to make them. And top of our uh, try try assisting uh, table is Gaz O'Brien with seventeen. Michael Dobson's got sixteen. Robert Louis with eleven. Uh, them three, Paul. You know, are, are sort of critical when it comes to creation in that Salford team. Yeah, so he's not done that bad then, Michael Dobson, has he? He's no. done all right. He's done all right according to them stats, and along with Gareth O'Brien as well. So yeah, and, and those three have, have done have done a job this season. I'd just like to see a bit more from from Robert Lewis. I mean, um, I think he's been quiet the last few weeks, and I'd just like to see him run at the line a bit more and just commit defenders and that. Because sometimes he seems to hesitate. I don't know whether he's low on confidence or what, but he's a he's a classy player as he showed us at the start of the season. And, uh, you know, we're going to need him in whatever eights we end up in. We need him to to perform. Yeah, Ben Murdoch Masala is our fourth uh, top try assister with five, and then Junior Sauer's also got five. You know, Ben Murdoch Masala has been great this season. You know, and his his try assists round the edges, uh, you know, causes teams all kinds of problems. Yeah, right. he's a he's a real handful. He's uh, Ben Murdoch Masala, and you know, I think he's been a really good signing for us. And uh, I, I particularly like watching him play, and I, I think he can improve again next year as well. And you know, uh, I, th- I think he started the season really well, uh, and I think he lost his head a bit after that Warrington game. Um, but you know, for me, if you can get him fired up, uh, he'll be a really good player for us going forward. Yeah, 
Uh, next little bit we're going to look at is tackles. Uh, Logan Tompkins is our top tackler with 610 tackles. George Griffin is second with 609. Craig, Craig Kopchak's have made 564. Flanagan with 562. Uh, and the fifth place one is Ben Murdoch Masala. All forwards, Paul. All putting the effort in and making the, the tackles when it matters. Yeah, they do. I mean, you can't uh, fault Logan Tompkins. Work, right? he, he puts it in every week. And so does George Griffin. For a guy who's not the, the biggest of forwards, he, he does an incredible amount of work. You've only got to watch him when he comes off and he's subbed. He's absolutely knackered, isn't he? You know, when he comes off, he runs his blood to water. So, so yeah, and, and, and Logan Tompkins as well. You get a lot of game time out of Logan. And I think, you know, once we do get a, another rooker in there helping him out, I think that, that'll help his game as well. Yeah. Obviously, looking at the attacking as well, uh, tackle bursts, uh, Ryan. Uh, Joshua Jones is top of our tackle burst uh, league table with 84. Uh, you know, he's been outstanding uh, so far this season and, you know, you're giving them all, he can burst the, burst the line. Yeah, I think Josh Jones is a quality player and I think he's been really unlucky um, not to be considered for England selection with Wayne Bennett. Um, for me, he's, he's, a, he's a big player and He's good with the ball in hand and he's a good defender as well and he's so competitive. You know, I, I really think he deserves to, to have the call-up, especially like when the soft players. I know disrespect to Mark Percival, but I think Josh Jones is a better player than him and uh, I think he could offer England a lot and it's just getting him in there, do you know what I mean? Like We need to get more players in this national setup, and I'm surprised Tim Sheens hasn't, hasn't had a word in the air away uh, because I think he really does deserve a call-up. Yeah, the second uh, top tackle burster uh, is Justin Carney with 76. Junior Sal with 45. Ben Murdoch Masala with 44. Fifth top tackle burster is Gaz O'Brien, Paul. Uh, you know, obviously coming in from a fullback uh, spot in the line, you know, you're going to come across the line and burst it if you come in at the right angle. And, you know, being That's it. Yeah. In, the, in, the, uh, in the table, it shows he's, he's a very much a dangerous prospect. Yeah, he's not. His tackle bursts aren't bulldozing through, are they? A lot of his tackle bursts are when he's running that ball back. And he's got a good step, and he's a very elusive runner, Gareth O'Brien. So he's probably not bursting's probably not the word. He's probably like coasting through, if you, if you know what I mean. That's yeah. probably what Gareth's doing. But it's something he's very good at, and he's a very exciting player to watch as well. And I think he got a bit of stick, didn't he, in the season for you know a few mistakes that he made and. Uh, you know, a couple of bombs that he, he dropped and that. But I think he's improved and he, he's got his confidence back. And, uh, yeah, he's been one of the signs of the season, Gareth O'Brien, definitely. Yeah. Uh, next one we're going to look at is attacking kicks. Uh, obviously, we, we talk about Michael Dobson uh, sometimes getting a bit of a bit of stick from the crowd. He's our top attacking kicker with 114 kicks so far, uh, Paul. You know, like we said before, he gets a lot of stick, but he's, uh, he's our main attacking kicker with Rob Lou with 42 the next yeah, well, if you don't pick Michael Dobson, who are you going to pick? We haven't got anybody else in the, the squad, so we've got to go with Michael, haven't we? And, you know, uh, yeah, he's, he's led us round this season. I think he's done really well. And like we said before, he's not got that pace he had 10 years ago when he was at Wigan, but, you know, he's, he's got it between the ears. And the rugby leagues, are, you know, it's not all about pace all the time. It's about the quickness of thought as well. And Michael's got that. And he's, he's I think his kicking game has been good this season. There's been a few games where he's where he's not performed, but, you know, everybody's the same, aren't they? And a lot of the time, don't forget as well, we've not got the biggest pack in the world, have we, leading us about? If Michael was playing for Warrington this season, probably look a totally different player because you've got a massive pack there, you know, putting that platform on for you and, and giving you those opportunities. So, uh, so I think he, he's done well. Personally, I, I feel that Rob Louie and Gaz O'Brien, who's done well, Rob, Rob Louie's done 42 and O'Brien's done 16, they need to kind of share the, share the workload there, Ryan, for me, because... 
people looking at the stats now think Dobson will get it more than anyone else, and I'm sure now they'll, they'll need to start sort of sort of sharing sharing the the balance of the kicking more. Yeah, um, you usually find that you scrum half because he's obviously the first receiver. He usually takes more kicks than anyone. Um, but I think, I think we've kicked okay this year. There's you know, the goal kicking's been good from Gaz. I'd like to just make a few more yards when kicking to stop. I'm sure we can. Um, Rob Rob Lewis really good at grubbers and you know getting them repeat sets. So I, I've I've been quite impressed with our kicking. It's been a lot better than last year. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can we can take that into the rest of the season. Yeah, talking about the work, the work how horses in in the in the team. Uh, Justin Carney's done 299 carries. Cop Jack with 258. George Griffin with 227. Joshua Jones with 224, and that's shared with Junior. So, uh, Justin Carney and Craig Kotjak are two main uh, carriers of the ball, Paul. Yeah, they usually are, aren't they? I mean, uh, Craig Kotjak, I mean, uh, how many good games has he had this season? He's like your, your Mr. Reliable, isn't he, Kopjak? Every week he's there, he does the work, he takes the ball in, he never lets you down, does he, week in, week out? And Justin Carney's, you know, exactly what you're going to get with him it, um Every week you're going to get those those runs, aren't you? And every time he gets the ball, you well, I panic a bit about him because I think he's going to drop it sometimes. But when he doesn't, and he, he takes the ball in, he's he's a beast, isn't he? And he's hard to stop. And um, you know, he's another one. I think he, I think he'll be better next season. I think he's had a bit on his shoulders, hasn't he? This season, you know, moving from Castleford, he had all that who are about what happened at Castleford, you know, off the field and and what have you. And I think he's he's settling in and you know, get another pre-season behind him. And uh, I think he'll go well next season. Yeah, he's our top meter maker uh, in the in the Super League, and as well as ours, two thousand six hundred and ninety-two meters he's made so far, Ryan, with an average gain of nine. Uh, you know, he he puts you know uh, the intensity in in the start of the set and, and makes good yards, and you know he puts us on the front foot for me. Yeah, he does. Like so good coming out his own half, and his kick returns are just flat, and just makes so many breaks. And like he like to tackle Justin Carney when he's running at you, like. You know, I mentioned we missed a bit of that fear factor and aggression in the forwards, but bloody hell, we're like Dido and Carney in the backs and Junior South and Josh Jones as well. Like, God almighty, like, it's like our, it's like our backs and our forwards, like the other way around, to be honest. Like, um, yeah, you know, I, I fear our backs more than our forwards. Usually it's them like big forwards who, who teams are usually scared of and fearful of, but our backs are massive. Yeah, Junior South's made it. 1,909 metres with an average gain of 8.52 metres. Joshua Jones, who kind of goes in the forwards and in the backs, has made 1,679 metres, Paul, with an average gain of 7.5. You know, like Ryan said, you know, we've got a big set of, you know, backs there uh, that early in the tackle count make some big inroads into our opposition. Yeah, they certainly do. They certainly do. I mean, there's one thing that I think Carney needs. He needs... Um... He needs a centre with him that's going to give him the opportunities, doesn't he? And he's going to put him, put him over the line. And uh, you know, maybe yeah, we've got uh, Junior Sal there, haven't we? But I still think that like a real top-class centre playing there with him, he's, he's going to be worth its weight in gold. Because you look at when Shenton played at Caswick Carney, how many tries did Carney score? He was like a try a game, wasn't he? Every game he'd score. Wasn't he? He's like that Solomona this season. I mean, you take that Denny Solomona at Castleford side, they'd probably be bottom of the table, wouldn't they? So, I mean, if we can get Justin Carney, get a centre there, putting Justin Carney away every week and getting him them tries, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be massive for us. Yeah, the forwards are still grafting, though, Ryan. Craig Crop Jack has made 1,600 
and 25 metres with an average gain of 6.3. George Griffins has made 1,536 metres and his average gain is 8.93. So he makes big metres, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Griffin, um, you know, when it comes forward. But Craig Kopjack, like Paul said before, you know, he's a leader of the pack and, and his stats show that. Yes, I think Coffey's been absolutely class. And, you know, I think it, I can't remember one bad Craig Kopjack performance. He, he was top in defence, he's a good communicator. You know, he makes the metres, he's a big guy, he's a great player for me and, you know, he deserves that number eight squad uh, squad number and, uh, you know, hopefully we can get him on a long-term contract as well because he's a great bloke. Yeah, we talk about Ben Burnett Masala being like a bit of a marked man, Paul. His average gain is 8.7 metres uh, a carry uh, and he's made 1,517 metres. You know, team, teams see him coming and, and, you know, they have to kind of like, uh, kind of sort their plan out uh, to turn to kind of trying to stop him from playing, really. Yeah, I think at the start of the season he was a bit of an unknown quantity, really, wasn't he? And uh, teams didn't really know a lot about him, and he sort of got the freedom of the part, didn't he? And you know, teams have, have seen how he went on against St. Helens. He was he was magnificent in that game at our place, wasn't he? And I think teams have read him a bit, and like Brian said before, that Warrington game, I think that that took a lot out of the team. That you know, losing that game, you know, being so far in front, and then to to get beat. I thought it took us a few weeks to get over that. It not really did knock our confidence, and uh, you know, he has become a bit of a mark man. People know who he is now, but you know, he's he's still there. He makes a, makes a lot of ground. And he's a dangerous dangerous player. Yeah. Next next stat we're going to look at is clean breaks. Uh, Junior Zhao is our top clean breaker uh, with sixteen. Uh, Justin Carney's got thirteen. Gaz O'Brien with ten. Nia Levels with ten. And Robbie Louis got nine. Uh, like I say, Junior Sow, top of the, the clean break league uh, to go with his top try scorer, uh, Ryan. Yeah, definitely. Like Junior Sow for me has been absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, the first season he played for us, I didn't watch much of Salford because I was in Australia. But And I saw him last year and I thought, I don't know. And then we signed him on another deal and I was a bit like 50-50. Like, I'm not sure. But the, the shape that he's in this season and the performances that he's put together... There was a stage, you know, leading up to the, the cast game and the cup. He scored, like, from two hat-tricks in a row. He scored, like, so many tries. And he just always looked up for it. And he was making good runs from dummy half. And, you know, he's a class player, Junior Sow. He's really, you know, he's really high in my estimations now. And hopefully he can be a sulfur player for the rest of his career. Because he really does seem to have the club at heart as well. And I love that. You know, he's, uh, he's a great bloke. And, you know, let's get him signed up for the future. Yeah, Nile Levels is, is fourth with 10, uh, Paul. You know, obviously a positional switch from, from full-back to kind of wing slash centre, and, he, and he's up there making making breaks. Yeah, I was impressed with him. I think he played centre against St. Helens, and he had a good game. I think he scored a couple of tries, and he, he looked like he'd settled into that position. Because um, he has, he's been mucked about this season a bit, and he's played at full-back, he's played on the wing, you know, centre as well. I mean, centre and wing are two totally different positions. And um, he's dangerous nail. He's got the X factor and he's got the pace. And um, I just hope, you know, I've heard people say he might be on the move and this, that and the other. But I hope he doesn't because I think he's he's a good player nail. And I think he's got the potential to be a really, really good player. And um, what you don't want is him to reach his potential somewhere else. So I hope we do, like we were saying about other players there, get him down on a, a long-term deal. Yeah, looking at the next bit of stat we've got uh, is our goal kickers. We talked about our top three goal kickers and... Gaz O'Brien and Michael Dobson and Josh Griffin. Uh, Gaz O'Brien is top with 38 uh, successful kicks. Uh, Michael Dobson with 23 and Josh Griffin's kick four. Um, O'Brien, 
you know, knows where the where the posts are when he when he kicks a goal, Ryan. Uh, and with 38 so far this season, it's 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 good progress that he's making. Yeah, it is. I've I've been really impressed with Gaz O'Brien. Uh, he's got a great kicking game. Uh, it was quite interesting actually because there's been some points this season where if we're ever on the left hand side, Gaz a kick it on his preferred you know side, and then. You know, if we're ever on the, the right-hand side, you know, Dobson would be hooking him in. So, uh, yeah, Gazzle, like, definitely a confidence kicker. I remember when we went to Cass at the start of the year. That's one of my favourite away days this year. And he, he, I think he kicked six from six that day. He was, he was absolutely superb. And they were all tough kicks as well. So, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, he's, he's been classmate. Yeah, looking at the final stat uh, we've got uh, in our stats uh, attack here on the Devil in the Detail offloads. Uh, Paul, Josh Jones is our top offloader with 31 offloads so far this season. Rob Lewis got 20, Junior sal has got 12, and George Griffith's got 9. Um, yeah, you know, he's, uh, Josh Jones, fantastic player. He's both in the second row and in the centre, uh, and he's able to, to offload uh, and create chances. Yeah, he does. He looks dangerous every time he gets the ball, Josh Jones. You never quite quite know what he's going to do with it. He's got, he's got that in his armour, hasn't he? You know, he can... He's got the ability to bust people off. He's got the power to bust people off. He's a big bloke, isn't he? And uh, you know he's got a good offloading game as well. And yeah, like we were saying before, I've been impressed with him last few weeks. And uh, just hope he continues. And, you know, I think. What do you guys think? Where do you think his best position is? I, I'm not so sure. I mean, I've, there's pros and cons to both, like the second rower and uh, and in the centre. So, what do you think, Ryan? Should uh, Josh Jones play in the centre or the second row? No, I'd like to see Josh Jones in the centre. Um, I just, I, if Josh Jones is fit, I'd move Josh Jones into second row. Um, I, th- I think, I think Josh Griffin plays his best rugby at centre, and he's good at bringing the ball out his own half. So yeah, centre for me. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with there, Ryan. I think he's because he's such a big unit as well, and you know he he knows where the line is, and obviously with it with his offloads as well, he's able to create chances. Um, but obviously it's up to Ian Watson. He he sees his versatility, Paul. Uh, and he played in both in the centre and in the in the second round throughout the season, and he's impressed in both. Yeah, I, I think you both right. I'd agree with you both. I think um, he's more effective in the in the centre. I think that's where you're going to get the best out of him. He's powerful, but I think he's a bit wasted when I've seen him in the pack. I think he's uh, he's far more dangerous to us being in that centre position. Cool. So what we'll do now, uh, we're going to talk about the game on Friday night against the Castle Tigers. It's time for the devil of the details. So, Casper Tigers on Friday night at the AJ Bell Stadium, Ryan. You know, it's going to be a big game for both sides uh, and hopefully we'll come away with the points. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive game on Friday. Um, you know, I think to even have any sort of chance of making a top eight, um, you know, we're going to have to get a result. It's, it's in front of the Sky Cams as well, which also makes it a little bit more important. And hopefully the lads can put a good performance together. Yeah, obviously we beat them in the league, um, uh, Paul. Got beat in the in the in the Challenge Cup, though. Um, I suppose it, this is the decider now that you know with with they've won one, we've won and won one, and if we are to get in that top eight, uh, we need to win on Friday. We definitely need to win. I think if we lose on Friday, I think it's going to be a very tall order. Like we said before, even with the the six points back, it's going to be a tall order to to make that that top eight because Castleford are going to be that that two points further in front of us and then other teams could win this weekend as well. So it's, it's a massive game. Isn't it? to, well, I think we need a performance, don't we? We need an 80-minute performance. We've been disappointed in the last, especially the last two weeks anyway, you know, against Leeds and Huddersfield, as we've said before. And the Wigan game, I mean, 
I don't think he can class that as a poor performance. I thought we played quite well that night and was a bit unlucky not to, to get a get a point out of that game. So uh, especially at home we need to we need to bounce back this week. And if you're gonna get in that top eight, you know, Castleford are the sort of side you've got to be beating. Yeah, Castleford have announced the nineteen man squad to face us on, on Friday. They start with Matt Cook, Ben Crooks, Luke Dawn, Paddy Flynn, Luke Gale, Oliver Holmes, Tom Holmes, Nathan Massey, Mike McGreen, Paul McShane, Grant Millington, Adam Milner, Greg Minkin. Junior Moores, Joel Monaghan, Lane Patrick, Gardwin Springer, Danny Tickle and Jake Webster, uh, Ryan. You know, they've got some good players in, in that squad. Um, who, who do you reckon is going to be their danger man? I'd probably say uh, Luke Gale or Danny Solomona. Danny Solomona's been a great player for Cass this year and you know, he's scored heaps of tries. And For me, he's probably been the best winger in the competition, so I'd have to say Danny Solomona. I don't think he's in the squad, Solomona, is he? Oh, he's not. He's not in the squad. <laughs> That's why he's that dangerous. They're not even going to bring him. No, they're leaving him out. <laughs> they feel sorry for us. <laughs> what do you reckon, Paul? Who do you reckon we should fear? Uh, well, I tell you, one who always seems to do well against us, and Luke Dawn, he he always seems to come up with a try, doesn't he? And I mean, he I don't know. He's a he's a funny player, Luke Dawn. I mean, he's someone I've always admired. Thought he was fantastic for London and Castleford, and when he came to Salford, he never sort of fitted in, did he? And, it was disappointing, really, but he, he always seems to have a good game against us. So, uh, but I, I like the lad uh, Paul McShane. Yeah. I thought he beat us on his own in that cup game, uh, playing at scrum half with that Grant Millington. I mean, they had two blokes there who were not half backs, and they, you know, that McShane's a hooker, really, and uh, he's very dangerous. He's he's only little. He's a bit sort of Rob Burrow-esque, isn't he? The way he, he dives about. I think you've got to watch him. And um, I also like the Junior Moores in the pack. He's a, he's a dangerous bloke, good offloader, very strong runner. And obviously Luke Gale as well. You can turn a game on its head on his own, can't you? So uh, they're they're the kind of blokes I'd be looking out for on Friday. Yeah, I, I was going to mention uh, McShane. I think Jake Webster's also a and a, a dangerous player for for, for them. Uh, Luke Dawn as well, uh, ex Red. Uh, he'll have a point to prove, won't he, on the, on yeah. on Friday? Uh, but they're, you know they're a good side, Castleford, and, and obviously if we sort of you know give them a good game and, and beat them on on Friday, Ryan, it, you know it shows Super League that we're going in the right direction. Yeah, of course, and you know I think we will beat him on Friday. Uh, I've got a feeling we do a win. Uh, we're at home. Uh, it's on telly, so you know hopefully we can do the the double overcasting Super League. Yeah, Salford to nineteen is Jake Bibby, Michael Dobson, Niall Levels, Mark Flanagan, George Griffin, Wellaraki, Josh Jones, Phil Joseph, Sean Kenny, Craig Copjack, Ollie Krinicky, Rob Louis. Ben Murdoch Masala, Gareth O'Brien, Junior South, Logan Tompkins, Daniel Vito, and Jordan and Adam Warren. Sean Kenny, new signing Ryan in the in the nineteen. Um, you know, it's it's a good game for him to come into and to show what he can do. Yeah, it's a great game to come in and you know, it's on telly and I'm sure that'll be a, a big moment for him in his career. You know, I think that's a super league debut as well. So, you know, I hope he does well. Uh, I'm sure he'll give hundred and ten percent and you know, hopefully he'll be the future Malcolm Alka. Who knows? Yeah, that's a that's a you know a big task, I suppose. But hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll come up with uh, with a similar similar performances in a red shirt in the next uh, you know few years. Um, Paul, what do you think? Looking at that squad, uh, who do you reckon was going to miss out? Uh, I'm not too sure to be honest with you. I mean, I think are they going to make they have to make changes for the Huddersfield game with uh, with Justin Carney being. Uh, being out suspended, so you probably, I think we'll probably see Nia Levels come in on the wing, maybe, maybe one of the Warren brothers miss out, you know, a forward on the bench. So uh, 
It's going to be in our game, isn't it, against Cass? I mean, we never seem to have the best record. We haven't got the best record at Castleford. And I mean, if you look at the home games, we've won two of the last seven at home against Castleford. So they've been, they beat us a couple of times, especially down the AJ Bell, AJ Bell Stadium as well. So, uh, you know, they're not my favourite team in the world, Castle. So, uh, we're looking for a, for a big performance on, on Friday night. But it's going to be a tough game, I think. They like to throw the ball around, don't they, as we said before, about the point scoring and that. And, you know, Luke Gales, they've got a few danger men in the team there. So we're going to have to be on our metal. You know, if we start and perform like we did against Huddersfield, we're going to get beat. So uh, we need to perform on Friday night. I suppose Justin Carney uh, missing with a two-game ban. Ryan takes the kind of needle out of the game. Um, and I suppose it, it's good, really, because then Salford can sort of concentrate on getting the result uh, rather than getting sort of caught up in the emotion of it all. Yeah, you know, I, I like Justin Carney. So he'll be a big miss for us. But, you know, you just got to, you know, quite strong in the, in the wingers anyway. And, you know, it's a good opportunity for Jake Bibby to make his... Sky Sports debut. Oh no, I played the Magic Weekend. But anyway, um, you know it's a big game for him to be involved in, and he's only going to improve through playing in games like uh, the one we're about to go into on Friday night. Cool. So, who's your what's your score prediction, uh, Paul? Well, I've done the same one all week. I've done it on my prediction thing on Facebook, and I did it on the radio last night. And it's Salford. It's a bold one. It's not. I'm not going safe like I normally do. Oh. But I've not looked at the weather though, and I think it's going to oh. rain in it. So I might have dropped a. You've got one job, Paul. No, I didn't look. I didn't look. So I think it's going to rain and I've gone for a big score. I've gone for uh, Salford to win 42-10. There's, there's people listening to this podcast now on, on Friday <laughs> afternoon looking out there going, what do you mean you don't know? You don't know what they're going to wear. It's, it's, oh, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Really is. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ryan? What would you reckon? Give us your weather prediction first and then your score prediction. I reckon it'll be a light drizzle and uh, I'll go 30 points to 12 to Salford. 30 points to 12. I'm going to go for cloudy and windy. Uh, you know, because the AJ Bell has its own kind of climate, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, especially in the wind as well. Um, you know, with the high kicks, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a problem for both sides. But I can see Salford coming out on top. 26 points to 8. There you go, that one out, out the sky. I think we're going to, you know, like we normally do come out early, you know, dominate from, from the get-go, uh, score a few early tries, here's the nerves in the crowd, and come away uh, with a victory, Paul. Yeah, they're always a bit obscure, your predictions, Rob. I'm always yeah. expecting you to say something <laughs> else. But, uh, but yeah, I hope so, yeah. And I just hope that the fans buy into... Um, the deal that's going on, we've not. I don't think we've mentioned it tonight, have we? No. But we have been mentioned, and with the 15 quid and this, that, and the other. Because, you know, 15 quid to watch a game of Super League, it's not really, is it? I mean, when you compare what people pay to watch football, I mean, I have a mate who watches Rochdale football, and um, they're all right, they've got promoted now, and they're in like the third division. They used to be in the fourth division, and he, a couple of years ago, he was paying like 20, 23 quid to, to watch that. And I mean, I'm no football fan, but. It's pretty dire, isn't it? Fourth division football, fifteen quid to watch watch Super League. I mean, it's it's good, and um, no, it's, it's on Sky as well. So let's just hope everybody gets down there and gets that win. Because if we we get beat, it's going to be tough these last three games. But if we win, you know, there's there's still that that shining light at the top eight. So uh, looking forward to Friday. Yeah, great deal the club have put on Ryan, and like Paul said, really hoping that you know the people of Salford, you know, pick up on this advertising. You know, the the club have done and and come down and, and support the boys on Friday. Yeah, it's really important. And, you know, they've, the, the club's done their bit. They've marketed the game well. You know, I'm sure the players are well prepared. So, if, you know, if you are free on Friday night, get down, watch the lads, and hopefully we'll uh, be celebrating a good victory after. Cool. So that's the end of another podcast. Uh, have you enjoyed it, Ryan? Another good show? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm absolutely knackered, but... Uh... 
Yeah, I think I'll be heading off to bed soon, but uh, I've really enjoyed it, and it's great to, you know, talk talk with rugby league, and, you know, I think good things are coming for this club. Yeah, it was great having you on again. Another great podcast, Paul. Enjoyed it? Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, um, it's been a, a barren week last week, you know, with no game at the weekend, so I'm like Wednesday now, excited now for Friday night. Can't wait to get down there, and, uh, you know, let's get our season back on track. Yeah, so thanks for listening to this week's Devil in the Detail. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail, SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and RLInternetRadio.com. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.